Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Ball and Breakfast podcast uh, with Wayne and Patrick. Coming to you tonight, talking about football and Netflix and kind of their convergence here on a couple of uh, documentaries that Wayne and I have watched recently. Um, the first one is Untold Johnny Football, which covers Johnny Manziel. Uh, the second one's called Untold Swamp Kings, um, talking about the University of Florida and their run in the mid 2000s uh, with Tim Tebow and uh, Urban Meyer. So. If you're out there and you still haven't seen either of those documentary series on Netflix, uh, go and check them out. Um, we will kind of go into a deep dive on both and talk about our thoughts, good and bad, about each one. Um, and I guess to start it off, we're going to talk about the Johnny Football uh, documentary. So detailing uh, the career of, of Johnny Manziel, both at Texas A&M, uh, his progression onto the Cleveland Browns. They did... You know, touch a little bit into his backstory, his upbringing, his high school career, and all that. And uh, you know, for most of us who know uh, Johnny's story and kind of where he's at today, you know, it definitely took a right-hand turn uh, away from success and you know, uh, glory uh, on the field. But uh, Wayne, I'm just going to tee that one up for you, pretty you know, straightforwardly. Just uh, what was your thoughts? I guess watching the Johnny Football, you know, documentary series, and like, what were some of your main takeaways? Yeah, thanks, Pat. Yeah, man, this documentary, uh, it was it was pretty intense, I feel like. It was like watching, uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of biblical in a way. Like, there's been so many stories, like, you know, in the Bible, right, where it's like this, like, a, 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 was it Samson, right? Like, this indestructible force, like, I guess, quarterback in this, in this case, uh, all of a sudden gets slain by not not some big, strong, you know, linebacker, but by greed, by money, by going with a certain lifestyle, right? And I think that was like the biggest, I guess, theme that I saw or noticed here was just that how consumed that Johnny Menzel was with money, right? Uh, you know, he brought that he was really pissed off about the NCAA, and rightfully so, right, uh, with regards to kind of using his likeness for profit. Uh, you know, there was that big mention, or I think there was like somebody that looked into this, uh, Texas A&M got $750 million in donations, uh, I think, in that offseason after the Johnny Menzel Heisman Trophy uh, season there. And to, to kind of bring that, bring that in perspective, I think in that same offseason, the entire the rest of the entire SEC combined for $250 million. The entire SEC. We're not, that's, not, that's not the Pac-12, Pac-10, or whatever it is. Big Ten, no, it's SCC, so it's, it's like, and the Alabamas and Georgias and all that, so that just goes to show, and then how much, how much did Johnny Menzel get from that? Uh, zero bucks, I mean, sure, boarding, couple classes he didn't attend, right, like, you know, yeah, pennies on the dollar with regards to how much the university got, uh, and then, you know, there's an argument now, right, where they renovated their stadium, use those $750 million in, do, you know, donations, right, uh, to fund the rebuild of their stadium. And then it's like, okay, now do does Texas A&M get Jimbo Fisher and all the money that they spent on him now, you know, going more in the modern day age uh, for t Texas A&M. Uh, basically, Menzel helped build that program. So I guess he, there is some more for him being pissed off, but you see that how it just consumed him. And it's kind of like, this tale of, okay, you can go one way, feel resentment, and just let that eat you up, get high, get drunk all the time, which he evidently did. 
or you can just be like, you know what? Uh, yeah, that's just how the game is played. I'm just gonna make the most of it because he isn't the most. I mean, he he. There there has been more talented players to come about, right? Obviously, he was a freshman, and maybe that played a little bit into the you know mat the maturation of him getting that star that started him at an early time. But you know, you, we we see like the Peyton Mannings in the world, and you know, you Tim Tebow even right get a lot of hype early on, and then they still are able to make the most of whatever situation and not completely you know fuck up their life, right? So. I don't know. For me, it was kind of this tale of he went this way when he could have gone that way, and that really kind of destroyed at least his football career. And, you know, it kind of ends right in a sour kind of taste where it's like, has he solved all his demons? Like, is he kind of progressing? Because, uh, like, the first scene, right, it was like just him partying with his boys right there in Scottsdale. So uh, it seems like he has more of a relationship with his dad and such. So at least there's some progress there, it feels like. But. You know, for his sake and his story, um, it definitely feels like there's more more to be told. You know, I think he's had since in the was a Canadian Football League or something like that, or you know, one of those other football leagues. So, but at the end of the day, uh, with all the promise in the world, man, it just seems like he kind of fumbled the ball. Not to use the football analogy on what could could have potentially been a successful football career just given all his natural talent because he wasn't trying that hard apparently like outside of the football field like it all kind of seemed instinctual and natural to him so yeah just just kind of a, a tale of you know what could have been i think for johnny menzel but what do you think pat uh, what are your thoughts on all this yeah um this one was a tough you know one for me because i i, I did see obviously uh, a kid who you know was attracted to the fame to the money to you know being in the spotlight to you know hanging with some of the coolest athletes around and kind of soaking it all up you know while he was the hottest thing you know pretty much going in sports and media in that time um i think there's like two major issues for me though when it comes to you know folks that just want to take a very critical look at johnny and johnny alone i think that you're kind of alluding to some of it from texas a&m side where you're making all this money off the backs of your athletes. And, you know, for, for that kind of money pouring in because he won the Heisman, like to that, those types of levels, I know at the time, you know, the NIL stuff wasn't really, you know, a thing. And, you know, these guys weren't getting paid, but man, that is a, just a sour one for him to swallow. But I think, I think the biggest, you know, biggest thing for me here is his coaches really failed him. I, I really do think they failed him in this. I mean, Sumlin and Kingsbury, not only allowed, you know, Johnny to kind of, you know, play at the level that he did, but then kind of allow him also to walk all over them as coaches. You know, he practiced when he wanted to. He, you know, showed up hungover for games. And it was almost like Kingsbury was laughing throughout the entire documentary about who Johnny was at that time and how they kind of treated him. And, uh, you know, it kind of reflects on Kingsbury at this point because you look at what he's done in Arizona and it was kind of like, he was that sexy hire and him and Kyler were boys. And it was like, he never really held any of those guys accountable in Arizona. And, you know, now he's back in the college scene as an assistant. And maybe that's what's kind of best for Cliff. I don't know if he's a true leader. So I think the first thing for me is like, we're dealing with a kid who's anywhere from 18 to 21, trying to make, you know, life decisions all the while, you know, just playing football and then kind of being wrapped up in this huge, you know, media storm at that age. I don't think, I don't think kids, humans are really prepared for that. And, you know, the second theme for me is kind of looking at Johnny's mental issues because, 
you know, he had uh, bipolar disorder, you know, he had, you know, issues with drug addiction, you know, when we got to the very serious, um, you know, levels of, of his spiral, you know, going through the pros and, you know, kind of quitting on himself and giving up, like he was, he was ready to, you know, take his life. So, I mean, to kind of think about all those things on top of, you know, um, you know, what a cocktail, like, you know, those issues might, might have with, you know, uh, fame, money, drugs kind of poured into it. I mean, that's just a recipe for, you know, disaster. And it kind of, you know, obviously spilled over in that way as Johnny, you know, kind of walked through his first couple of years as a pro. So, um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, Johnny had no part in this, like, you know, poor Johnny, like through and through, um, because I do think, you know, he, he obviously made those decisions as well. He could have, you know, maybe sought out the help that he needed. Maybe his family could have been, you know, more supportive along the way as he was going through college. I mean, I know at some points his family was like, we couldn't get through to him. He wouldn't listen to us anymore. And, you know, maybe that's just, uh, you know, the output of what happens when all this stuff kind of comes together at the levels that it did for Johnny, like being in the spotlight all the time, um, you know, similar to another quarterback we're going to cover on this, on this episode. So I don't know. I think those were, some of the points that, you know, come away from me uh, kind of going through with it. I mean, I think, you know, when we do get to our next documentary series, I think we will see maybe some of the positive sides of what, you know, good coaching, uh, a good program, you know, discipline and accountability really being a part um, of the program and amongst the, you know, the team uh, members as well, you know, guys picking each other up and trying to show each other, you know, the right way to, you know, go about, you know, being a being almost a professional at the college level. So um I guess with all that being said, those were those were kind of the, some of the themes I I took away from watching that documentary series. Yeah. Yeah. And to build off that, you know, uh I don't like how you mentioned how Cliff Kingsbury definitely failed Menzel. And we, we definitely see that in the development of Kyler Murray, who, you know, Kyler Murray is one of the most decorated Texas football uh, high school athletes of all time, right? Like, you know, has gone into all of the records, again, at Texas, which is like football heaven, you know? So uh, there is something, I think, towards blaming Cliff Kingsbury some here. Uh, you know, and, and Menzel's dad kind of alluded to it a little bit. I don't know if anybody picked that up, because uh, I think Menzel's dad said something along the lines of, you know, uh, when you give your son over to university, to the coaches, right? You, you you expect them to you know be disciplinarians to hold them accountable for actions and such and I think you know uh, Manzel's dad and it was evidently so they didn't actually fully hold Jenny Menzel accountable they weren't disciplinarians for him or anything like that uh, and yeah Cliff, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury kind of laughed off something some of uh, Manzel's actions just to show how seriously I think he took Cliff King or how much how serious Cliff Kingsbury took Menzel in a way. So, you know, did he take it for granted? Probably it felt like, and just rode on the coattails of Menzel's uh, success. Cause apparently Menzel never read the playbook that I guess Cliff Kingsbury put together. So again, kind of showcasing like, uh, you know, this evaluation of Cliff Kingsbury and what he was all about. So um, yeah, just, I think a lot of failure there and then also failure on the university uh, you know, for sure. So, someone as well. Uh, someone didn't really last that much lo longer after Menzel, right? So, but uh, yeah, the university, I think one of Johnny Mendel's friends, uh, you know, the guy that was kind of partying along with him and along for the ride there, 
uh, he kind of mentioned too that the university is like, yeah, uh, in terms of like a support system, to, like there's like this expectation that probably un the university has all this support, support and resources to help out with the Menzel, uh, a person like Menzel, like with you know the PR stuff that's happening all around him. And he was like, no, it was me. Like it was me, a student, like was doing all this, this drunken buffoon helping Menzel. And you know that probably has an effect on them uh, to this day, right? Even post uh, Menzel's football career, just because apparently they don't talk to each other. So, uh, and that was like his college best friend. So for me, you know, there was a lot of accountability. I think that goes on. Yeah, the universe, the coaches for sure. But yeah, then the also the overall athletic department there failed Johnny Menzel. And yeah, uh, granted. You know, sure, I think Menzel could have some resentment towards the university, NCAA, etc. But then that there has to be some accountability too on Menzel and kind of that situation. But it's honestly hard for any of us to be put in that situation where you're you're treated like a god in the universe. Not or not just the university. Like LeBron was talking to him, right? I think Drake, like everybody was, ever everybody underneath the the sun was like basically calling him or like treating him like a celebrity. So. You know, it's hard for me to be like, yeah, I, I would, I would definitely be like the more, you know, Tim Tebow kind of quarterback or something. But honestly, I don't know if I could like last all, you know, all those gifts, all those people trying to, you know, uh, pay me tens of thousands of dollars just to sign stuff and giving me courtside tickets. Like, yeah, I, I don't know if I could pull off those things that he did. So, yeah, I think. <clears throat> You know, just going back to the coaches, you know, each one of them got major raises. We're making, you know, millions of dollars, you know, on the back of Johnny. So in a lot of ways, it's like, hey, you know, I'm doing just enough to, you know, make millions of dollars with Johnny. I'm not going to stir the pot here. I'm not going to, you know, be the one who, you know, disrupts any of this uh, going on here. So just let him do what he wants. And, you know, we're going to be paid. We're going to be good. And, you know, that's all that really matters. And it kind of reminds me of a startup that, you know, looking at Texas A&M, like a startup that just grows too fast. It's like getting way too much, you know, VC dollars off the bat. They just really didn't know what to do with it. You know, you imagine like getting a, a pouring in of like almost a billion dollars. And it's like, they're just not accustomed to this. They didn't know, like, how do you treat a kid like Johnny, who's, you know, the biggest thing in college sports or, you know, in sports at the time. So it's like, you know, they didn't have the... um you know, infrastructure to maybe surround him with the right people and, uh, you know, go out and hire maybe a couple extra people like, you know, a sports psychologist or, you know, PR rep or, you know, uh, a bodyguard. <laughs> I don't know what else you could really do with a kid like that, you know, but, you know, I think the other thing too, like you were mentioning the friend, it's, it's kind of sad. Like as the friend was talking about where the relationship is, he was just like, you know, he got cut out because, you know, Johnny had to become a professional and they had to do it in a professional type of way. And, you know, you could definitely see there was like a lot of hurt there. And like, even, even Johnny himself, like seemed to get choked up. I'm just like, man, why don't these two guys just like get in a room or give each other a call or something, like try to figure this out because, you know, obviously they were, uh, you know, obviously really good friends there and went through some awesome times together. But I think also when you go through times like that too, it's, you get to the next step of your life. It's like, that almost looks like almost a complete party or kind of like a joke in a lot of ways too. So it's gotta be kind of uh something maybe both of them don't want to re entertain or re explore with each other. But uh, I I'd figure after that documentary, they probably have talked at some, you know, some extent here at some point, but um, yeah, I, I actually thought this was a really good documentary to put out there. I think 
it's probably helpful for a lot of kids that are, you know, rising through AAU and, you know, signing on with colleges now and kind of understanding like the landscape of what it means to be, you know, a top college athlete. I think the landscape, like we were talking about, has also changed a bit, you know, kids getting these NIL deals, you know, being able to make a little bit of money. So it's not this huge resentment issue where you have to hire a friend to, you know, kind of do all this uh, on the black market. And, uh, you know, hopefully those are, you know, positive changes here. But I, I also just think, you know, kind of looking at the industry, it's like, it's basically pro sports. You're just doing it with college kids. And it's, it, it is in a lot of ways, pretty shameful, you know, that not only do these kids not have the opportunity to make the real bucks, but it, just also just how much uh, these universities stand to benefit from, you know, trying these kids out there and exploiting them for all they're worth. You know, it's just, it's kind of what makes college sports pretty ugly still. And, you know, I, I understand where Johnny's coming from and his hatred for, you know, the NCAA. Yeah. I mean, that's why he's, he's, you know, he does the whole money sign and everything, right? <laughs> it's, it's kind of, it's kind of what he is. He's being very uh, straightforward with kind of how he's feeling about everything. So, uh, but yeah, it's like, what, what would have the NIL looked like with Johnny Menzel, right? Would Johnny Menzel have been, uh, you know, not going as crazy. Maybe he would have, would have escalated more so. I don't know. But, you know, maybe he would have been in a better financial situation, at least there. And maybe he doesn't have as much resentment towards the university and making a buck off of him, too. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely could have been. a. I feel like just this whole documentary just basically showcasing the reason for the NIL. And, you know, I was talking to a friend about this. It's like, you know, you go to Europe, at least you know, I'm framing more so the basketball situation, right? But it's like. Europe has, uh, you know, student amateur athletes, right? Or not even amateur, but they're they're getting paid professionally to play, you know, basketball or soccer at like 16 years old or 14 years old in some cases, right? It's like that, like if we're if we're America and we're trying to teach people capitalism and all this stuff, it's like, well, we'll teach them earlier, like, you know, like sure, like make sure that they have support and all that, that infrastructures. You know, kind of like what the university, uh, Texas A&M, should have done, right, with Menzel. Uh, but at the same time, like, if you're going to teach ki uh, kids capitalism and how to, like, make a buck, be responsible with it, too, uh, you kind of have to, in a way, sometimes just give it to them, in a way. Like, let them exploit it up. But, you know, create within that framework, like, okay, you get you can get crazy NIL, NIL, uh, NIL deals, but... Make sure you do it in a responsible way. Make sure you invest, put some, you know, in the side. All that really ought to be part of the conversation. Not like, no, you're going to be an amateur and you're going to resent us for years and you might get hurt. <laughs> but uh, in the end of the day, you know, uh, hey, we, we foot your college bill, which I feel like has just become more of a joke of late. So, no, I'm all for, like, I, I, I want to feel sorry for Menzel, but at the same time, I feel like there was definitely this uh, dark side of him that I think just won him over and... Yeah, kind of just sad to see like a really talented player, really exciting player, right? Uh, just kind of, you know, kind of throw it off all away in a way. So, yeah. Yeah. I just also, you know, I mentioned this point of it, the second point, but like he also wasn't right. So I think understanding like what bipolar disorder can do to a person, um, you know, the suicidal thoughts down the road a little bit. I mean, I just don't want to discount that too much. Like... I, I do know there are some dark sides to him and like, obviously he chose some of these routes and there's, you know, domestic abuse, uh, you know, uh, situation that was brought up in the film too, like that kind of stuff. I don't know. Can bipolar disorder push you to those extents? Like it's possible. And 
you know, I don't, I just, um, I want to make sure that that gets out there too, because, you know, if that wasn't identified and folks weren't giving him the kind of support he needed along the way, especially as things started to escalate, like, you know, that, that wasted a lot of his career too. Like if he was on the right medication, like if he could have got medicated earlier on or could have got the treatment he needed, like, could, could we be talking about a different story now? Um, maybe, maybe he'd still be involved in the partying and doing some bad things, but like, would it have spiral spiraled out in the way that it did too? Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good uh, point there because, you know, uh, I mean, I've known some people with bipolar disorder and, you know, when they go one path, they go hard, right? I think that's, you know, from my experience and what I know about it. So, uh, yeah, if they if they were able, if a sports psychologist or a psychologist psychologist in general, right, were to have a conversation, right, with Menzel maybe earlier on, you know, I know he did rehab a little bit later, but honestly, it's like that was after all these things occurred. So, uh, you know, if he were to have seen like one, like maybe as a freshman, right, which that definitely is like a very vulnerable point towards him. Uh, where he were to, you know, open up and maybe they were able to diagnose him there and then have some sort of support system to be like, hey, here's a path to like make sure that you're you're in a good situation, knowing that, oh, you're getting all this, this exposure from LeBron. You're getting all this exposure from all these different parties and stuff like that, which nobody was overseeing. So like that, that's that's just where I think it was such a major failure on the Texas A&M part. So yeah, I think that can definitely have helped. Would have, would have uh, Johnny Menzel's situation been any different? That's really hard to say. So, but at the same time, like man, Texas A&M, I think they really. I think if there were, if I were to pick a loser out of the, this documentary, I feel like it would be Texas A&M number one, just of how they handled everything there. So, um, I will want to say the the most the hilarious the most hilarious person was the agent. <laughs> I think. Uh, <laughs> It was just like, dude, I tried everything I could. I was like, you know, make sure. No, like you will not go to uh, the combine. You will not because I do not trust you whatsoever. Like uh, for you to do anything there. Oh, you're going to pee out of a cup. Well, you're, like that's your plan to get out of drug testing. Like, you know, uh, or like, to, like, yeah, just you know, drink a bunch of water and just get it out of your system. Like I, I almost felt sorry for him. And eventually I think, yeah, he, he kind of let go of Johnny Menzel as a client just because he had enough of him. But I just found that whole uh, thing hilarious, though. So, yeah, like he made his agent like be one of his receivers at the combine because he got <laughs> all the real re receivers drunk the night before. So it was like, you know, just imagining like an agent and like a scout or somebody else like getting on the line just to, you know, go out and catch balls. And hey, man, it got him drafted in the first round. So, you know, cheers to the agent. And I mean, that's magic, man. That is that is true magic. Yeah, yeah, and then what? He also like asked his men's. He asked Menzel's dad to like check into the hospital or something to like <laughs> lie so that uh, Menzel can excuse himself for an emergency. Like, oh, my dad's in the hospital. Type like that's the next level. But you know, hey, when we're talking about first round, when we're talking about millions of dollars, right, from sliding down, then yeah, maybe you just go check in the hospital. Hey, Johnny, here's the here's the medical bill. Oh, it's only a couple grand. Whatever, I can do that, you know. So, uh, no, that whole situation was hysterical. Um, and then, yeah, one more thing uh, that at least I noticed too was I looked at the quarterbacks that uh, were drafted afterwards. Some of them are still playing, actually. Uh, Terry Bridgewater. Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo all drafted after uh, Johnny Menzel there. So 
man, that Browns uh, first round pick there. I, th I think they, tr they might have traded up, I think, or something. But either way, spitting a first round draft pick there when, yeah, there's Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Terry Bridgewater there. Oh, man. Yeah, that Browns organization. They, they know how to pick them quarterbacks, apparently. So. Man, yeah, they're just completely doomed, and we'll see how their their season goes too with Deshaun. But uh, but yeah, the only other thing is you were going on the agent. I was thinking about the friend too, and his ability to kind of uh, swindle, you know, his way to um, obviously having Johnny make a bunch of money and and all those good things. But like the oil money uh, stories that they were, you know, pumping out there, and then also having like the grandparent uh, basically writing off checks to Johnny. Uh, you know, based on them funneling money to him. So like, again, this whole, this whole like network of Johnny's like did him no favors and like just really nobody was there to kind of like curtail a lot of his own funds. So it definitely got carried away. Uh, it shows on all, on all uh, levels here. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens when you got, honestly, it's like, yeah, you put the kids in charge and I mean, I don't know. I, I got to credit the friend though. Right. Like this is definitely where, like that's a ride or die. Like you're, you're kind of committing fraud. Like, you know, uh, so, and you got Skip Bayless to say, you talk about Johnny Menzel's oil money. Like that's, is just hysterical. But then that just goes to show you why there's so much distrust in the media too. It's like, well, you guys are, you guys aren't really doing too much research here. I feel like, you know, so, um, but yeah, that friend, man, like that is a ride or die. I feel like, so that's just nuts how that all transpired. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you guys are you know, around looking for, you know, good sports uh, documentary to throw on there. Highly recommend Johnny Football on Netflix um, as part one of our, our series here on, on covering some football and, and Netflix. But